0: Good. So, first of all, welcome to all of you. My name is Karine Mogg. I am the director of the Meter Center, and it's my great pleasure to welcome you all today to this special presentation. Today, we are um, having the next in our series of presentations from our visiting scholars. Um, As has been our custom, we will start by hearing from our presenter, followed by my initial questions to feed the discussion, and then you'll be invited to submit your questions and comments via the chat function. Our presenter today is Dr. Max Rogland, who is the senior minister at Rose Hill Presbyterian Church PCA in Columbia, South Carolina. He is the 2021 recipient of our Imo Van Helsma Fellowship for Pastors in the Reformed Tradition, and we are thankful to the Van Helsma family and friends for their support of this ongoing fellowship. Max obtained his PhD in Classical Hebrew at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands in 2001 and served as Assistant and then Associate Professor of Old Testament at Erskine Theological Seminary for 12 years. His topic for us today is Chasing the Wind, Pursuing the Annotations in the 1637 Staten Bible Dutch Translation of Ecclesiastes. Welcome, Max. We look forward to your presentation.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I've had uh, a wonderful time at the Meter Center and very appreciative of the uh, Van Helsima Fellowship. Uh, it's really uh, been a, just a huge help in my own uh, studies and research I want to begin with a little bit of a disclaimer that uh, this is kind of a historical investigation, and uh, I'm not a historian uh, by trade. Uh, my specialization is biblical studies or more specifically Hebrew Hebrew philology, uh, but I'm interested in interpretation and the history of interpretation, and especially with the book of Ecclesiastes that's been of cat- one of the main focuses uh, of my study at the Meter Center this summer. So why study the annotations uh, in the Staten Bible, uh, the Dutch Staten Bible? Which is more or less, uh, for those who who wouldn't know, it's pretty much like the King James Version in English. It's that kind of uh, antiquity and that kind of honor that it's held in. Uh, And when the translation was made, published in 1637, it was not just a translation, but there were all sorts of textual annotations, comments that went along with it. Kind of an early study Bible, you could say. Um, So why study these annotations on Ecclesiastes? Uh, One thing I've noticed in my studies uh, of the literature on Ecclesiastes is there's this very close correlation, this close link between one's understanding of the authorship of the book who wrote Ecclesiastes and your interpretation of the book. Um, I mean, that's just true in general, when you're interpreting the Bible, what's one of the standard questions you always ask who wrote this book, uh, that's usually connected with when was it written? What were the circumstances? Uh, so that's just a standard part of the exegetical process. And, um, your, your answer to the question of who wrote the book will determine a lot of other answers and it will determine uh, aspects of interpretation. And that's especially the case, I think, with the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, maybe more than with a lot of other books of the Bible. And you find this link between uh, the authorship of the book and the interpretation of the book in the, the kind of the preface to the uh, book of Ecclesiastes in the Stoughton Bible. And so let me quote a, just a snippet of that. Uh, it says, many of the learned are of the opinion that Solomon wrote this book in his old age. After that, he had for many years together turned away from the right path of true godliness, but was now again converted unto God, wherein he, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, testifieth his earnest sorrow and repentance for the former part of his life, loathing and abhorring it as being vanity of vanities, whereby a man is not able to attain unto eternal rest, uh, excuse me, temporal rest, and satisfaction or contentment of mind, much less unto the highest and chiefest good, which is everlasting salvation. In like manner, his intent and purpose is, by his own example and pattern, to lead all men to virtue and piety. Okay that's true as far as it goes. Um, many learned have taken Solomon to be the author of the book, and uh, many will will tie their interpretation, or they'll claim to tie their interpretation of the book to the details of Solomon's life as you read about it in 1 Kings. Um, although if you actually read 1 Kings, you won't find even the slightest inclination that Solomon ever uh, repented or converted back to the Lord after he fell into idolatry. Uh, the, the evidence for that part of Solomon's biography, as it were, well, we find that in the book of Ecclesiastes. So it, there's kind of a very narrowly circular argument going on here. But uh, regardless, uh, that's the general approach you will find to interpreting the book and to the authorship of the book. The general approach you'll find in patristic literature, in medieval literature, and in Reformation interpretation of the book. So Ecclesiastes is viewed as, as Solomon's confession of sorts, his, his repentance, or his conversion history, his Bekerings Chesedinus. And uh, now you'll find differences that uh, kind of play out in patristic or medieval interpretation. There's a lot of emphasis on how the book Uh, cultivates this contempt for the world and how it should uh, drive you to pursue an ascetic uh, sort of lifestyle, Uh, you know, go get thee to a nunnery or that sort of thing. Whereas uh, Reformation interpreters uh, such as Jean de Serre, they'll appeal to Ecclesiastes explicitly to deny the value of monkery. You'll find comments in his commentary. And Honestly, when you read something like Ecclesiastes 9.9, 9, Enjoy Life with Your Wife, it is very hard to interpret that as kind of being you know, pro-monastic. But uh, regardless, you know, whether, uh, whether you read the book in kind of an ascetic sense or as a more creation affirming sense, both in pre-Reformation and Reformation era interpretation, they both start with the basic uh, understanding of the book's Solomonic authorship and that it's, uh, it's him speaking late in life after his uh, conversion or repentance and so on. There's a great shift that takes place in the modern era, and nowadays you will find very few people who are defending Solomonic authorship of the book. There are exceptions, I know that, so I'm generalizing, but uh, so nowadays the interpretation of the book uh, is not really linked to the idea of Solomonic authorship, and so As a result, there's just all sorts of variety out there if you read commentaries and so on. Now, uh, Hugo Grotius is usually credited with being the first person to really seriously question the idea of Solomonic authorship in uh, uh, the modern era. And he does this in 1644 in his annotations on the Old Testament. And this is where reading the preface in the Staten Bible, uh, made me very curious, because that was published in 1637, so a few years before Grotius published his uh, uh, annotations. When the Staten Bible says, you know, many of the learned are of the opinion that this was written by Solomon, that seems to imply that, you know, maybe not all of them did. And that was one of the things really motivating my studies here at the Meter Center. I was just trying to explore uh, whether there were any prior to Grotius who, was, who were already questioning the Solomonic authorship of Ecclesiastes. So I, I wound up uh, exploring different angles on this. Uh, one that I looked at was just the question of, well, did perhaps Grotius, had he somehow published his views or made them known prior to 1644? Uh, he actually began writing those annotations about 24, 25 years prior. To their publication. So around 1619, he started working on them. But uh, so far, I haven't found any evidence that he ever uh, mentioned these elsewhere. Uh, you search his correspondence, there's no references that I've been able to find to Ecclesiastes there. Uh, did he lecture on the book at some point? Well, there's this. Uh, Widespread claim that he taught, uh, that Grotius taught at the Remonstrant Seminary in Amsterdam. I actually have some very serious questions about that idea. Uh, You won't find him mentioned in any of the published faculty lists of the seminary. That seminary officially opened in 1634. And when Grotius uh, fled the Netherlands to France in 1621, lived there for you know, a number of years. Uh, he only returned to the Netherlands for less than a year and that was 1631 to 32. So uh, how he would have taught at the Remonstrant, Sem- Remonstrant Seminary, I'm not quite sure. So I have questions about that, but uh, I'll let that go. You know, Did Grotius talk about this down at the public house, you know, drinking ale with his friends? Well, uh, of course that's possible. But that's very speculative. So there's really no evidence that we have um, that Grotius ever talked about his views prior to 1644. That seems to be the year that he uh, published uh, his work, the first time that those views were made known. So, yeah. Okay, that's, uh, that's not an option. Well, did the staaten uh, translators, did they have other people in mind when they make this comment about the book's authorship? So I explored a couple of options there. Um, just a brief note here, there was a manuscript of a commentary by Didymus the Blind, 4th um, century author. Uh, discovered in 1941, and there are comments in there that suggest that there there could have been non-Solomonic understandings of authorship of Ecclesiastes back in his day, but of course this thing was only discovered in the 40s, so clearly that's not, it it appears to have been lost until that time, so probably not what the uh, uh, Dutch translators had in mind. The more likely option uh, is Martin Luther. And there are some comments that Luther makes in his table talk that seem to suggest, well, more than seem to suggest uh, his views on authorship. So let me quote uh, from this. He writes, thus Solomon did not himself write the book of Ecclesiastes, but it was composed at the time of the Maccabees by Sirach. However, it is a very good book and pleasant because it contains much excellent teaching about how a household should be run. Furthermore, it is like a Talmud, drawn together out of many books, perhaps out of the library of King Ptolemy in Egypt. Okay, now that seems clear enough uh, at first hearing, and that quote has very frequently been invoked by later writers, but there are reasons to be cautious here. Uh, In his earlier commentary on the book, Luther clearly assumes that Solomon wrote it, and in later writings, he clearly is assuming that Solomon wrote it. And uh, so uh, Al Walters argued that any kind of questions that Luther had about who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, those were very isolated, rare, they were early views of his, and they don't really represent his mature thinking. Uh, Well, uh, Scott Jones actually published an article in 2014, and he presented a an argument that is not just plausible, but I think highly probable, that in fact, those comments by Luther in his table talk, they're really uh, a confusion of comments he made on Ecclesiastes and the book of Ecclesiasticus, which are two books whose titles frequently get confused. Uh, What Jones did was he compared the things that uh, Luther says about Ecclesiastes in the table talk with what Luther said about Ecclesiasticus elsewhere. And there are some striking similarities there. And so the uh, really the uh, most plausible explanation is that uh, those comments, some got messed up in transcription. The table talk were not uh, uh, things that Luther himself um, edited or published himself. So, and I'll just say one one thing I found that I think Provide some confirmation of that is when you read 16th, 17th century scholars, and when they take issue with Luther, they're not taking issue with him on the issue of authorship. Uh, it's about other things. So, you know, it, it's just highly implausible that Luther would have denied that Solomon wrote the book, and nobody would have noticed it, or nobody would have commented on it at all. Um, So really the best uh, explanation is just that, well, Luther never denied that Solomon wrote the book. And so it was never a point of discussion. A lot of what I've been doing uh, here at the Meter Center has been just scouring different sources. So that would include Bible translations uh, with or without annotations, looking at a lot of commentaries on Ecclesiastes, not all of them. I didn't realize just how many there were published in uh, the 16th and 17th centuries. Um, And also just looking at quotations of the book of Ecclesiastes, which often attribute it to Solomon. And basically, I haven't found anyone uh, uh, from the Reformation era prior to Grotius who ever questioned that Solomon wrote it. Uh, All the evidence uh, seems to be that everyone just assumed, yeah, Solomon's the writer. And uh, this includes a number of the people who were directly involved with producing the Staten Bible, uh, Baudartius, one of the translators, others who were associated with that project in other ways, like Drusius, who wrote a a set of annotations on the Old Testament, um, or other scholars who are just acknowledged as being influential on the Staten Bible, so uh, Beza, the commentaries of Piscator, Uh, the translation annotations of Tremelius and Junius, Um, you'll find comments uh, in all those that either explicitly or implicitly attribute the book to Solomon. And again, it's not a major point of discussion because it just wasn't a big issue for anyone back in the day. And so <laughs> I was kind of going through this whole process of elimination of, well, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. Uh, the, I think the final option we're left with for interpreting uh, those comments in the Staten Vertaling is that it's actually referring to early rabbinic discussions about the authorship of the book, because there is evidence uh, that the authorship and the canonicity of Ecclesiastes, that those things were debated in some limited circles in early rabbinic tradition. I I think those discussions often get overstated as if everybody was in doubt about it, and I don't think that's really the case. I think there were fairly limited circles of discussion, but it was going on. Uh, You'll find comments in the Talmud. You'll find comments in medieval Jewish writers like Ibn Ezra, Uh, So, there were definitely a few voices that uh, questioned whether Solomon wrote the book, or there were voices that were questioning whether Solomon was a fit agent for divine revelation, given the way his life ended, according to uh, 1 Kings, as an idolater. Seems kind of weird to have an idolater being the one producing canonical scripture. And so... uh, Uh, it seems uh, that it's really these rabbinic discussions, these rabbinic scholars, those are the ones that the uh, Stoughton Bible translators had in mind when they are talking about the learned. Uh, And uh, there's really been a lot of scholarship about the early Christian Hebraeus, their use of Jewish sources. um, And there's in, uh, I forget the But there have been a couple of dissertations and some shorter studies on the influence of Jewish sources on the Staten Bible translators. So there's work going on uh, in this area. These these men were very conversant with rabbinic scholarship and rabbinic sources. And I find this kind of ironic. Uh, They were probably much more adept in reading rabbinic sources than Grotius himself was. Uh, most of Grotius's knowledge of post-biblical Hebrew and post-biblical literature it mostly came through translations. Um, uh, And what's ironic about it is that it's really Grotius's appeal to post-biblical Hebrew that uh, he used to support an argument uh, against the Solomonic authorship of the book. That's something I, that's a trail I want to pursue at some point. Um, I could uh, One thing I've been doing is looking at some of the specific comments that you find, some of the specific annotations you find uh, to the translation of Ecclesiastes. And there are some interesting ways in which you see, I think, the influence of Jewish sources, Jewish exegesis, uh, sometimes overriding uh, Christian exegesis uh, at places, but uh, I'll have to get into that uh, some other time or we can talk about it during the Q&A. Anyway, uh, it's the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, what's the sum of the matter? What does it all come down to? I um, wouldn't say I found anything new under the sun here, uh, but I think we we can say that when the, when the Staten Bible says that, it implies that some of the learned did not hold to Solomonic authorship, I think that's best understood as referring to these rabbinic discussions about uh, Solomon as the author of the book. I think we can say that it was Grotius and not Luther who was the first in modern times to question uh, Solomonic authorship. And in the end, just zooming out from just that narrow question of uh, authorship, I think the real burden in the, uh, the preface to the Staten Bible, it's, it's not just the isolated issue of authorship, but it's really the overall interpretive approach that is linked with authorship. Uh, So the Staten Bible, like a lot of readers throughout the history of interpretation, they've understood Ecclesiastes to be Solomon's conversion history or his history of repentance. Um, Just speaking for myself, I'm not sorry that the historic consensus on authorship no longer holds (laughs) because I think that that way of reading the book actually causes you to miss out on a lot of Ecclesiastes' message, but uh, that will take a whole book for me to argue, and Ecclesiastes would tell us there is no end to that process, so I will stop there and open things up for questions.
0: Terrific. Thank you so much, Max. That was was fascinating. just maybe for starters, could you say a little more about your reasons for the, your own interest in Ecclesiastes itself? In other words, why this topic? Lots of topics you could have picked. Why this one?
1: Yeah, uh, I've been doing a lot of work uh, on Ecclesiastes. I've uh, recently finished a non-technical commentary on it. I've got some journal articles uh, in the pipeline. So Ecclesiastes, its just it's been on my mind. And uh, mulling over this whole question of authorship and you know the relationship between authorship and interpretation mm-hmm. um, uh, just trying to explore that more and more in the Reformed tradition not just the reformation era but up to contemporary uh, discussions mm-hmm. uh, so it's one of those topics that it it's kind of grabbed hold of me and it's, it's hard to let it go mm-hmm.
0: That seems very reasonable to me. And then could you say a little more about Grotius' own view? In other words, what's what's his take and why does he feel either that he's so true, he's so sure it's not Solomon or that he thinks it's from another source? And then what's his ground basically?
1: Yeah, uh, so he's really credited with um, developing kind of a linguistic philological argument uh, Mm -hmm. uh, against it by pointing to different terms, uh, Hebrew words, Hebrew expressions that come from later stages of the Hebrew language. Mm -hmm. Now that's pretty standard uh, nowadays. Uh, Again, there are exceptions if you read what's out there, but most commentaries, um, most uh, language studies, would say that, yeah, there's a lot of really strange Hebrew stuff in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, anybody who's tried to, anybody who's read, you know, Ruth in Hebrew and then tries to drop down into Ecclesiastes is going to have a a, a difficult time because it is, it's very challenging from a Hebrew standpoint. Um and so linguistic change is kind of the big argument that's been made. And Grotius was kind of the uh, the pioneer in that. As I was saying earlier, it's, it's a little bit ironic that he maybe wasn't as informed as <laughs> some of his contemporaries were, but interestingly, uh, I haven't yet seen where you find them trying to refute his arguments either. So again, that's that's one of those questions I was not able to really get to during my time
0: well that's so helpful thank you so much for setting that stage so I'd like to open it now to questions now there are enough I think I'll be able to see everybody on the gallery view so I can see 18 people okay so first of all you can go ahead and everybody show your pictures because otherwise I can't see if you wave your arm at me that you want to ask a question I won't be able to see you so if you can go ahead and give us your faces so that I can see, if you wanna ask a question, I can then see you. That would be great. If you wanna put your question on the chat, that's fine. If you'd like to ask it live, that's okay too. So feel free to use the chat or to raise your hand and wave at me and I will be able to make sure. Okay, Jim West, Jim unmute yourself and go ahead and ask the question. My question sort of uh, has to do with the layout of these annotations was there the text of Ecclesiastes and this material in a preface, or was it in the margin? How exactly was it laid out on the page?
1: Yeah, there there was a preface, um, and then the the notes, the annotations, would be in the margin, so I was mostly dealing with a a snippet from the preface, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but then, you, you know, you can go through the margin, and Interesting thing with Ecclesiastes, they have annotations on almost every verse in the book, um, and that's curious to me. I think uh, it's a bit like the situation with the Song of Songs in the, the Staten Bible, where <laughs> extensive commentary, more comments on that book than you know, per square inch than any other book in the uh, in the Bible. Um, I don't quite know how to measure that, but I feel like their their comments on Ecclesiastes, they've got to be on the high end, because almost every verse has got one or more comments on it.
0: Were they theological or, you know, see cross-reference kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, well, how, how did they organize them?
1: Uh, you find both. Uh So you'll find occasionally it's just cross-references, but most of the time with Ecclesiastes, it tends to be fairly just straightforward expositional um, with some theological comments, but it's not like some books of the Bible where those comments become theological very quickly. These tend to be more just explanatory notes.
0: So are these continued in modern translations of the Dutch Bible or were they sort of abandoned? Uh,
1: that's a good question. Um, there was a, I don't know the history of, I don't know all the more recent translations. Uh, one of the, the main ones from kind of the mid 20th century was pretty much just a straight translation with, uh, uh, without explanatory notes um but they i imagine they have study bibles now in a way that's really what this was it was it was basically a study bible
0: Mm -hmm. and i think for people who are really wanting to do it in depth and the accompanying commentary volume makes more sense whether it's English or Dutch or German or French or anything it tends to be more that way for for a more in-depth analysis but I mean like Max I looked at a number of these reformation commentaries on Ecclesiastes and a lot of times there's a fairly not, not a huge but a fairly substantive preface and it's in the preface that they tend to discuss authorship which makes total sense that's where you'd expect to find it We have a question from Sam Ha, who says, thank you very much for such an informative and interesting presentation. I've learned a lot. This may be too broad a question, but while you've been looking at the history of the interpretations, were there reformers who were particularly good or bad at Hebrew? In other words, what can you say about the knowledge of Hebrew among the reformers who might be, for instance, reading or commenting on Ecclesiastes? Um,
1: You can see some differences. Now, this is an incomplete survey. (laughs) Uh, Coming here, I thought, oh, surely I'll be able to look at them all. No, no, there's way too many. Um, So many more commentaries on the book than I realized. Uh, But there are are a couple that seem to get more quickly into philological type comments. Um, Drusius is one, and that was really, he he was not one of the translators, but uh, my understanding is he was sort of tasked with producing these annotations that the translators would use. And, and I've seen that in a couple of places where he's kind of off on a little more on his own in terms of, you know, kind of the, the, the breadth of, or the, the main, uh, what's the word I want? Most of the commentators are over here, but Drusius will be over here, and sometimes the, the Staten Bible will go with Drusius, I think, mm-hmm. because of that, uh, that association that he had. Uh, so he's, he tends to have a lot of linguistic comments. Um, uh, Jean Mercier uh, has quite a few uh, that, but then you'll find some, like Beza, almost nothing. <laughs> and uh, it's really more of a paraphrase than a real commentary. Uh, which I find kind of curious because he was so influential and he was influential on the, uh, the Staunton Bible uh, translators. I think probably, I haven't looked at his New Testament stuff. I, I expect there he was probably more uh, you know, uh, detailed and philological, but uh, uh, he, he took it easy on Ecclesiastes.
0: Thank you. Other questions? Lyle.
1: Yes, thanks very much, excuse me, for a very interesting presentation. Um, My question is, did the Arminian controversy of a couple decades earlier enter this picture in any way uh, into the annotations or into Grotius' discussions of authorship and so on? Um, I I haven't seen it. Obviously, Grotius uh, has an association with the remonstrance, but um, uh, I haven't really seen that play out in terms of his annotation work. Um, His comments, uh, he he tended to get uh, accused more of being Socinian than uh, anything else. Um, Whether that's true or not, I I wouldn't know. Um, But... um, you know, in in the uh, the actual annotations on Ecclesiastes in the Staten Bible, I haven't seen a lot there that kind of moves in that in those sort of you know, real deep theological uh, directions. Now, I haven't worked systematically through them all. I've just been kind of working a few samples. Um, uh, but like I, I mentioned earlier, in response to one question. Uh, the, the comments seem to be more just sort of explanatory, and sometimes they seem not really all that necessary, um, but they just, <laughs> they, for whatever reason, they kind of went crazy on the book of Ecclesiastes in terms of being very liberal in uh, putting notes in. So I'm, I'm sure there are some, uh, there would be some passages, uh, because there are places in Ecclesiastes where you get Uh, very much into issues of sovereignty and human responsibility and whatnot. I haven't taken a a close look at those uh, with that question in mind. Uh, Thank
0: you. Other questions? Anybody wanting to type anything in the chat? That's the other way to get things up if you want to. Well, we really appreciate this report max thank you for the time you're taking to do this research and this topic and we've been delighted to have you here as a scholar among us and a note again for everyone that next week friday is the final of our summer presentations uh, martin Clauber will be speaking to us and martin is a scholar of the french reformation and he is looking at manuals prepared by french pastors on how to deepen your understanding of partaking in the lord's supper at the reformation so if you're interested in the lord's supper or the sort of pastoral piety of the 16th century the french reformation i think that will be a great session in the meantime thank you very much again to max and we wish everybody a very wonderful afternoon thanks everybody thanks bye